One, two, ten. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2015. Testing two. Great to be back here for the thirty-eighth time. I'm Kaba, and I'm also with Ash from Claim the Throne. How are you today, Ash? Well, it's really great to be back here. Oh, no problem, mate. It's great to have you here in the uh, studio, the uh, Floyd's Feet Studios. And um, yeah, it's just us two today, uh, chewing the fat and uh, chomping at the bit. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, what's been happening on the podcast lately? Hopefully you guys have all been tuning in each week. Uh, there's been a couple interviews here and there, not for a while, but we do have a, uh, oh, there has been a good one actually. That would have come out last week. Now we're, we're planning ahead. So hopefully this will be coming out at a, at, on the reg, uh, as we go forward into, uh, oblivion. One year after we said we'd have a weekly podcast, we're aiming to have weekly podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be good. So tune in and, um. We'll keep bringing you the stuff. Talk to us on uh, the internets, facebook.com slash claim the throne on Twitter, ctt underscore au or ashes ash throne. I'm Mr. Cabba climbing the thorn dot thorns. <laughs> and uh, if you so wish, you can record a question for us at SpeakPipe on the right hand side of the page at claim the If you do not, you will be listening to all messages like. The one from Razor Ray himself and Stuart Miguel at Stuart's very own wedding, as recorded by Bernard Shaw, the Nard, the man himself. And it sounds a bit like this. God Good us. evening, Ash and Cabba. Cabba and Ash. You've got Razor Ray and Razor Stew here. Or Stew's McGill's. Of the Razor clan. Or um, McGill's. Cross Bastardizer of Silent Night. Bastard Night. Here's Stu and Razor Ray from Bastard Night, and you're listening to Cabot and Ash on the Blodgecast. It's easily the best Blodgecast. Don't drink and drive, people. <laughs> Thanks anyway, guys. But you did hear it uh, <laughs> directly from the horse's vag. So if you guys don't, go to claimthethrone.net, hover over the right-hand side of the screen and leave yourself a voice message for us to play on the show, then you'll get stuck with things like that each week. Nah, you're all right, Stu. Yeah, if you haven't heard Stu's podcast... Do go to claimthethrone.net. It's only a few weeks ago, and you can find it in your podcast app and subscribe and rate and fucking leave us a review. We had a great interview last week with Dean from Primal Primal Frost Frost. and Vital Remains. Can I say that again? Because I'm going to edit that. Yeah, mate. We had a great podcast last week with Dean from Primal Frost. Oh, my God. Yeah, we had a good podcast last week with our friend Dean Arnold from (laughs) Primal Frost and... Vital remains. That's the third time I've said Very that. Very well word. spoken there, Ash. Oh, Jesus Christ. The whiskeys ain't good. That's why I'm giving up drinking this so, week. Oh, as if you're on the drunk scale, one to 10, where are you at the moment? I'm at about uh, episode 33. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm razor ray out of 10 tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mother's Day. And what else are you going to do? Yeah. How's your mum today? She's pretty good. We had a lunch at the moon, mm. not the. Not the fucking cunt of a rock that orbits the earth, but, or likewise, I don't even know how physics works. Is it physics or is it mathematics and science? It's uh, geography. Who even knows? Yeah. No, but I had a one thing called a milk. Milk steak? Stout. No, not a milk steak. I had a fucking milk stout today and it was pretty delicious. It tastes pretty good. Fascinating, man. Is that the latest in DIY musician news? Should we talk about DIY musician news? Do we have any? Look, we don't have anything to talk about on the podcast today so this relies on mine and cabba's 
ability to pull a subject out of thin air. What's interesting is we don't have anything to talk about because we're on the down low in the studio writing music for our next album and because um, we're not playing too many gigs, we're just focusing on that. Uh, it leads our minds to wonder about how that's all going to work out going forward and uh, being that I am with my friend Ash who's going to be recording the forthcoming foreskin of an album from Climbing the Thane. I'm sitting on the very couch we bought mm. for... The sole purpose of Jim, Jesse, and Dicey and Cabba sitting on the couch on the on Fortune Flame. It'll happen again. Is this couch, would you uh, say that was a, a good thing or a bad thing? 100%. Many of our early podcasts, when Cabba and I still live together, were recorded on this very couch right now. And dude, it's still 100% comfortable. We're also yeah. at the position that we recorded all of Fortune Flame. Can we put a photo of this couch in the show notes? Let's do it. Yeah, right. Done. It's fucking amazing. Also, Floyd's feet still in the same position. <laughs> I'm probably wearing the same jocks as I was back then as well. <laughs> oh, this is obviously the best podcast we've ever done. Can we go back to this couch talk? And uh, when Forged in Flame was uh, recorded uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, how will shit differ from then to now? Are there any uh, particular points that you think we could improve on next time around? Definitely, man. And even though we're still writing the album at the moment, last time when we were... We actually did some pre-production for Forged in Flame. We did, I think, five songs, was it? Um, Four, Zephyrus. five, yeah, five, yeah. In, uh, no intro, maybe acoustic, At the Ocean's Edge. World Grows Dull, Grand Destruction, Zephyrus, At the Ocean's Edge, mm. and... That may be all? Forged in Flame. Really? Five songs. Fuck, that was an ambitious one. Yeah, I know. We did it as pre-production. It was also kind of like a Ken Ash track and or mix the album, and we sent it to major labels and... Never got signed and whatever, but it was a really good experience because we've never really done hardcore pre-production where every single person in the band contributes to to the pre-production. Mm. And in many ways, I actually think there was more of a concerted effort to do that than than the actual album production. Mm. In many ways, because we were all so excited about doing something new that we just just threw everything into it. Like Jesse played strings and piano plus programmed a whole bunch of orchestral stuff for the demos but then on the actual album she only did keys because we were pressed for time by the end of it only did keys and strings for it and so a lot of that initial excitement kind of got a little bit lost maybe i think we almost put as much into that as we should have for an album if you know what i mean Mm. instead of keeping it simple and this time around when we've mentioned before on the writing episode we're sort of more just like getting ideas down as they are, rather than perfecting them. So I think that's one major difference mm-hmm. in our process this time. But um, yeah, we bought a bunch of gear and that th- the original reason for having this podcast was getting, instead of doing a series of little online posts, yeah, we wanted to do this podcast to update everyone as we were recording the album. And then what ended up happening is we bought all this gear, we recorded the album with that, went pretty, went pretty good. We had a few few issues along the way. And instead of me mixing it, we ended up getting Al from McGurk to mix it to kind of like step in in a pinch because we were, or I was fucking burnt out by the whole situation. And yeah, it was, it was like a massive learning curve. And even just doing the last podcast, the one about making money in the music scene and the, the song we played was Forged in Flame. So the title track, when I put that into the podcast, I realized like it's all there, but really doesn't sound like the song we wanted to put out production wise last time the goal was just getting the song recorded 
this time, I think the goal is getting the songs we write to come out the way we intend them to come out. Even going back to the whole pre-production thing, us physically sitting down and recording a full five-track demo type thing, that is something that can really just be done as you go. Uh, as we're demoing now with the new writing process that we're doing, that can essentially be the demo. And then you s- you're saving your uh, energy and excitement for the real thing. Then the, the problem is, depending on your plans, if you're wanting to approach labels and things, how do you go about it? Can you be using that that pre-prod demo that you've been doing as you go, Floyd's feet? The last time we had that problem on Triumph and Beyond, we sent the album to a bunch of labels and um they sort of said yeah cool this sounds really good we like it but on the next album can you send us demos ahead of time because we'd we'd preferably like to sign you is he backing up Fucking absolute <laughs> dickhead eh? so on triumph and beyond yeah it's a bit like from the labels can you let us know when you have another album coming out that's not already released so we did that and then they're like, oh, maybe let us know the final product once it's released. Yeah, and because I think I in guess, that time uh, the music scene changed, right? Times are changing. Yeah, and something to be keeping up with by listening to podcasts such as the Claim the Throne podcast to know what's going on out there. Do we, do we know what's going on out there at the moment? Yeah, I guess we do. That that was like a that was a three-year turnaround between Triumph and Beyond and Forging Flames, so it's understandable that the scene moved the industry moved the way it did this time around. I don't know about you and maybe that's a podcast for another time, but I don't really care about major labels or anything like that anymore. And there's all this stuff out there, crowdfunding and your band camps and all this, all this stuff that wasn't really quite there on the last album. I'm just more concerned about getting good songs written and then captured well on the recording um, rather than getting them released on labels. The only thing I guess with labels I also don't give as much of a crap as I used to because it's less of a thing now, I guess. But I do care about touring uh, and exposure. So, you know, getting the word out to as many as possible. And yeah, sure, it, it is more important to have lesser people who actually do give a crap and will support you and it all adds up a lot better that way and word of mouth marketing, etc. But yeah, that, that mass exposure and getting to play perhaps overseas festivals and, and bigger uh, tour supports or, or headlining tours or whatever you want to do. Whether that's still required from a label sense, perhaps um, getting signed to booking agents and whatnot may come from that. But um, I like to think that if we keep following our natural progression and, and keep improving songwriting and, and just making a killer album, then it'll go that direction. I agree with you totally. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's a lot easier if you say I've signed to Nuclear Blast. I'm sure you'll get on a tour nice and quick, you know, without having to go through the even like, why don't you send us a demo recording of what you've done or an example of your CD? Yeah, that's, that is still a pretty big deal, I think. Just that sort of name recognition or, or um, it's like people vouching for you, basically. Mm. And that's something that doesn't quite happen unless you're friends with like some pretty cool bands and then they say, yeah, man, that band's great or whatever. Like it it, it feels like it's, it's still a big deal from that perspective yeah, rather I mean, than getting money to record. Those sorts of ones where mates get you on tours and whatnot, they're awesome, but uh, they're not a, an ongoing stable type of thing. Not something to hedge your bets on. Something to think about definitely and something that we'll be touching on as we go through the process throughout the year. And um, yeah, 
definitely keep an eye on the industry and see what's going on out there. If you do have any opinions, be sure to let us know. And uh, we'll keep on chatting about it each episode and hopefully get some cool interviews this year too and uh, yeah, get other people's opinions on certain things. So that's step one of a new album uh, in a way that we would do things a bit differently. What else, Ash, and why? So we bought a bunch of gear. We spent about a solid two, two and a half grand on the last album. You're talking about I Coke, reckon Coke. About gear? Yeah, on Coca-Cola to mix with the uh, yeah, fucking yeah. copious Jim Beam we drank on the last one. We are a classy band. We bought last time, and for all you nerds out there, get ready to put on your glasses. Bookworm bitches, listening. We bought a FMR, really nice preamp, really nice compressor. So, the, so, sorry, the preamp was a two-channel. It had a gain knob only. It didn't have output attenuation, which meant that whatever you put into it, you can turn it up only. You can't turn it up to get some gain and then turn it down at the back end. Uh, we also bought the FMR really nice compressor, which is a stereo compressor, but it was unbalanced, which was interesting because whatever. We also bought... Golden Age Pre-73, which is like a Neve clone, bought a Roland, no, Roland Radial Cube to house the Pre-73 and also a classic API VP28 preamp, a Radial Reamp kit, which included a J48DI and a Radial Active Reamp box. We brought a Rode Classic Condenser Microphone, which was used for the first, I would say, three or four podcasts before we switch to dynamic mics was that about it that we bought some some yeah. um acoustic treatment that still to this day hasn't fucking been implemented <laughs> sitting in my room in the boxes yeah, right yep so mm. kids don't worry about that shit but we'll try and i'll try and get some use out of it sometime a couch a couch for 150 bucks still in use to this second <laughs> and um there were some yamaha hs80 monitors that were thrown in kind of as part of the deal in buying the Rode Classic mic, but that was more just for getting bass while we're tracking. The The speakers were too big for the room we're in, which I'm sitting in right now. Anyway, so out of that gear, realistically, we tracked almost everything through that Golden Age Projects Pre-73 500 series preamp. Mm. Almost everything through that. Everything we used a microphone on was pretty much that Rode Classic. So all the vocals were done on that. Every instrument was DI'd through the J48. Didn't end up using the reamp box because the other thing we had was the Mbox Pro by mm. Pro Tools, DigiDesign, Avid, whatever the fuck. And that didn't have actual line outputs to allow us to reamp. So on the day we decided to reamp, we realized that the line outs weren't at actual line level. So we couldn't reamp properly and it fucked us over. So we used <laughs> digital amps on the last album. Anyway, the one thing that sounded, in my opinion, besides the vocals through that classic microphone, the one thing that sounded good was the acoustic guitars. Mm. And that was mic'd up in mono about a foot from the 12th fret of Cabba's Maiden acoustic guitar into the classic API VP28, which sounded, no kidding, exactly in the mix like it sounded like after we tracked it. Mm. So it felt like that just purely mic'd up was the tone that made the album. Everything else had to be processed. And did we plug that in at with. any point? No. We also did, uh, sorry, we did a DI track as well. Mm. And maybe that was blended at the end of the day, but 
man, seriously, the character of the tone that we got mic'd up was fucking gorgeous. Like it sounded so, so thick and full, but still nice and bright and detailed. It sounded so good. Would you be real devastated if I said on the next album, I wanted to use classical guitar instead the whole time? No, I wouldn't because we'd use the same miking and preamp that we would. Because what ended up happening, okay, so that was that was the glory preamp, right? And that was one that I've still got that preamp. Mm. I sold the Golden Age. I sold the Radial Cube. I, I, I sold everything that we bought on the last album and replaced it with stuff that I'd sort of done a bunch of research on. So I sold the, um, the Rode Classic and bought two Chinese condenser microphones for the same money that I sold it for, which was actually, I didn't lose a dollar on that microphone sale. And I bought two microphones in place of it. Can you believe that? Pretty crazy. Very good. We are investing in mod kits for these microphones to replace the capsules and certain parts inside there, modifications with a little bit of soldering and that kind of thing, or soldering if you're American. And that will uh, allegedly raise it to somewhere in the ballpark of vintage fucking microphones but it will at least be as good as the classic and it'll be times two which means we can mic up your classical guitar (laughs) in stereo this Mm. time also a second vp28 preamp so we can keep that thing in stereo the whole chain then our vocals we can use a condenser but we also have a few new mics i'm talking on one of them right now which is the sm7b shaw microphone Really great for rock vocals, allegedly, blah, blah, blah. We've done some stuff with it. it sounds pretty cool. Ruben microphone that I've also modified through a, um, through a new transformer in it. Sold the DI and reamp, replaced it with a really high quality Countryman Type 10 DI pedal. And on the side, got a DIYrecordingequipment.com. Check it out. Got their reamp box, passive reamp box. Fucking awesome. Anyway, basically everything we had on Fortune Flame got sold, replaced with new gear that was bought based on what I felt the needs of the recording or, or what was lacking on the last recording, basically. And I just nerded out like fuck. Did a lot of research, backed myself up a little bit, like sort of believed in myself to be able to solder this shit together. Got what I think is like a fuckload more equipment. I remember you swinging by the J car all the time. Back then? Yeah. Getting, getting little, some weird little electronic shit that I did not understand. Oh, yeah. Capacitors, resistors, <laughs> little um, little jacks and fucking all sorts of little shit in there. Yeah. And that stuff is still all there. And, mm. and it's really funny in the new house, since I've moved out of the glory that is the Floyd's old- Floyd's Feet Studios. Floyd's Feet Studios. I now have just boxes of gear sitting under my desk that hasn't seen the light of day since we recorded forged in film on top of that i i've of course upped my little personal home studio thing and the combination of the two things i think is going to give us a pretty solid we're going to do a bunch of it in that very room of yours i've got a loft in my new house Mm. and new it's not so new anymore but yeah, there's a loft upstairs and I'm going to set up an actual tracking environment in there. I don't think we'll do... The only thing we won't do in there is drums and vocals mm-hmm. because both are just way too loud to pull off in there. Like we would have scared the neighbours last oh. album. Oh, one very night uh, when we did a recording of a cover of a song called Bang 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 by the Rippin' Strong Boys 19, 
Which, by the way, let's go to him now. Hey guys, the Strong Boys 19 here, and you are listening to Claim the Throne Bloodcast. Fuck, we were drunk that night and screaming <laughs> our dicks off upstairs. Man, the neighbours would freak out. So, so loud. And that was only one song, so I can't really imagine doing an entire album's worth of vocals in a loft mm. that uh, probably connects to the neighbour's house or very close to. It mm. does connect. So I don't know where we'll do the vocals yet, but I love the idea of DIing guitar and reamping later. Now we have the beauty, I'm looking at one right now, we have the beauty of the Kempers, mm. which is awesome because I, I reamped using Kempers on the Suffering Rot album and it sounded fucking sweet because you've got so much tonal options. You can download like a Bogner or something weird like that. So you can download some Bogner profiles and if they sound good, they sound good. Like you can get any amp, right? Everyone's profiled everything. I would love to track the new album with actual tube guitar tone and mm. i've got this little seven and a half watt head at home that i'm determined to get the most fucking bitching guitar sound out of <laughs> and i'm working super hard with tube screamers and bad monkeys and fucking and uh, maxon pedals just like just trying to get this thing to sound amazing but you played around with that tube screamer much yet yeah i, I yeah i bought a tube screamer tier 7 i replaced the op amp in it didn't work after I replaced it and I realized I didn't test if the pedal worked in the first place. <laughs> and I tested with a multimeter all the shit that I put in and it was fine. So I actually think the pedal was broken before I <laughs> before I replaced the op amp. I had that issue when I bought this very Behringer pedal down yep. here and I replaced the, um what's it called, the patch in the back that um, makes it dedicated for Kemper usage. And I couldn't get it to work and I'd already changed the patch over. And wasn't sure. Then you're like, shit, what have I done? But got it working, so it was all right. But. Oh, tip number one, test your goddamn shit you buy off eBay before you <laughs> bloody do it. So now I don't have a leg to stand on because if he looks in it, I've I've taken out the op amp that's in mm. there and whatever. Either way, my goals for this album is to mic up everything, which which we did on the last one, but is to is to literally mic up every instrument we do, to run everything through nice preamps. Mm -hmm. We've already got them. We replaced them. It's all done two years ago, to be honest. It's all sitting under my fucking desk. <laughs> Three, um, to do things like use room mics. So we tried to record and go listen to Fortune in Flame and listen to The World Grows Dull. Yeah. Listen to that hey. It is fucking <laughs> shit. Yeah. We just recorded that hey like maybe like 20 times, probably not that many straight into the microphone when i realized the whole idea of like a gang vox or a or a group vocal or a um or just a vocal with a bit of space around it is that you've got to create distance from a microphone mm. so we could have tracked that into the same mic five times and each take we could have just got capa to take one step back <laughs> you know what i mean mm. and create distance so even if it was the same hey every time each voice was a foot two feet back from the previous one so i'll just give it a little bit of depth just little dumb things like that 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 i didn't think to do we didn't think to do on the last record we did a bunch of percussion same thing on the last on fortune flame think um grand destruction in the little acoustic breakdown there's a bunch of snare drum percussion percussion i recorded me playing snare drum and it was like 10 tracks of snare drum all playing the same thing and i thought the more tracks i do 
the more it's going to sound thick and big. But because I was playing them all exactly the same and the mic position was the same, it really just didn't add much to it. Whereas if I had multiple mics at distance or just position the mics further away each time, it would have created the illusion of space, you know. Well, well it's actually the reality of space, but in multi-tracking, multiple drummers at different um, points in space to the microphone. Really mm. little little things like that that would benefit. And like the acoustic guitar, you ask, will it be a problem if I use nylon string for the whole album? It won't be a problem at all because now we'll be recording the same um, signal chain but in stereo, mm. which means instead of, and you remember this quite well, instead of recording acoustic rhythm parts and double tracking it, which you had to get pretty much exactly the same each mm. time. We really worked hard to get the same take twice. Well, we have two microphones, so we pan one left, one right. It's the same take. It's literally the same take. You mm. just got to nail it once. Or vocal parts that are supposed to sound big and whoa, 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 will be like the condenser microphone in figure eight pattern. So the back of the capsule works, the front of the capsule works with Jesse at one side, you at the other singing at the same time mm. and maybe a room mic in the mix as well. And then you record that, you do it again, once again, take a step back, give that effect of more than one person in a room and more of a space than just that one space you recorded the original vocal in. Partially technique things, but partially equipment things like like the DI box, we ran the bass and guitars through the DI box and it was just a bit thin sounding, didn't really have much weight to it. So, you know, once we did reamp or digitally reamp things at the end of it, just didn't really sound very ballsy. This new one has bigger headroom and just something really simple like that can just improve, especially when you're stacking multiple guitar tracks. If each guitar track is slightly thicker, then with a different DR box, then you're going to have a thicker overall tone. That's just a learning curve. And I'm hoping that just the improvements in the tracking and the outlook in the tracking process in itself will yield a closer to finished product before mixing even starts. So then mixing is more of just a, a general balance and an enhancement rather than the, the old polishing a turd kind of shit that we had on the last album. Mm. I can see your eyes lighting up and your trousers stretching with all this talk. And um, yeah, it is a fucking privilege to have a smart little bookworm bitch like yourself in the band to do all this shit for us because I only can understand so much of it, to be honest, as much as I do try. But um, <laughs> Sorry. No, nah, it's no, good, no. man. I've, I get you as you're talking, but I couldn't remember all that much stuff straight off the bat. Model numbers and shit. Fuck, that's good. It's called being a fucking nerd, hey? <laughs> Should we uh, should we finish I that? I think so, unless there's any more little specific things you've uh, got. When recording at home, definitely do your budgeting. And I think that if you want to buy equipment for your band or for use, you've got to really fucking know what you want out of that shit in order to make it feasible. Because on the last album, we spent that two, two and a half grand. That's great. But what is that in realistically in studio terms? Maybe that's... In some studios, maybe that's four days. In some studios, maybe that's eight days. So you've got to you've got to weigh it up between what you think you can get tracked 
realistically in real time at a studio with their plethora of gear or what you think you can draw out of your tracking process at home with this other gear kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you've really got to balance that stuff up. And I would say, I'd say do two budgets, one at a studio, one at home. And then the comparison, because we went into the last album thinking that it would be as good as Triumph and Beyond, the, all the process. I think it worked good because the album was such a lofty thing for us to undertake, being like 70 minutes of music and blah, 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 um, that it literally would have cost four times that much <laughs> if we did it at a real studio. But on a general album, if you got your shit together, maybe you can bust that out at the best studio in town um, in fucking six days. Mm. Who knows? So you've got to work that out. So I would say do two two budgets, one DIY, one traditional. Look at mixing. Do you mix it your, after you've tracked it? Do you mix it yourself or do you get a professional to mix it? Same thing with mastering. Do you master it yourself? Do you get a professional mastering dude to master it? That's my advice. Cabba, what's your album of the week? Forefather, Curse of the Queld. It arrived in the mail finally, it? yeah, the oh. other day. So I've only given it a few spins so far. Pretty fucking good. If you've heard Forefather before, you know their textbook sound and some of the those heroic, like, clean vocals that they do are just, like, bar me right up when I hear that come in. So real triumphant sounding and um, some really clear... Um, guitaring some really awesome um interesting riffs where they're just going through all the strings and really tight playing on the right hand and stuff um maybe not as there was a, a an era that they had like um steadfast is, is my favorite album of theirs and ours is the kingdom and that those areas well those eras were like you know, getting a bit heavier and a bit more ferocious and they were probably my favorite so this one's not so um i wouldn't say as heavy as that stuff but still really cool and um, yeah, I like that they're sticking to what they do best. And uh, yeah, looking forward to listening to it a lot more. Have you given that a spin yet? On the no, no, but that bars me right up just mm. hearing about it. I've it's weird, man. Like the it. first song actually is really different for them and quite sort of darkish sounding. And then um, yeah, as it as it goes on, just some of those clean vocals are fucking good. Nice. That yeah. could do with a real drummer one day, I reckon. And, and to be honest. For me, Forefather is a band that I listen to, especially listen to Steadfast, then listen to Claim of Throne. It reeks of Cabba. <laughs> it's one of those bands that I don't think a lot of people know about. No, I don't think a lot of people know how much influence it has on a band like Claim of Throne. Mm, very interesting band. Mm. I enjoy them thoroughly. What about you? What's uh, your album of the week, Ash? My album of the week is Nirvana Nevermind. You've had Nirvana on here before. Have I? Mm, I'm pretty sure. Not In Nevermind, Euro? though. Probably in utero, perhaps. Fuck, I should think of something else. Nah, no so way. Bad. That's not... The idea of it is whatever you're listening to. I'm surprised it's not Bellacore of Stone's Reach again. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I listen to so much goddamn podcasts that I don't really get, get around to listening to music much, but I've been listening to Nirvana Nevermind for production inspiration, especially after doing the Cosmic Psychos DVD and oh, yeah. finding out that the... That the CD, the album "Blokes You Can Trust," was recorded by Butch Vig around the same time that he was tracking Nirvana. <laughs> I was into Nevermind at age eleven, and I listen to it now, and I really appreciate for for really just like a pop rock band how fucking heavy it sounds, mm. and how clear everything sounds and big. Like I really, I really dig that, but it still sounds a little bit more underground or something even though it's like super commercial 
it just it just has a little bit of rawness to it in amongst all the commercial sheen. And yeah, last night I watched that Kurt Cobain documentary, Montage of Heck, which I'm going to say, I'm not going to recommend to anyone. Mm. Was good, was dark as fuck, but I don't think as a documentary, I don't think it was actually that great. I don't think they did the greatest job of telling a story, but I'm going to tell you it was some dark fucking shit. And if, yeah, if you want to see some of the other stuff you might not know about Cobain, check that out. Um, but on the other hand, all of the live footage and stuff is pretty much from Life Tonight Sold Out, which I had a bootleg of mm. in 1995 on VHS. So just go watch that instead. But yeah, anyway, Nirvana, never mind. Listen to it. Just appreciate it for what it is. Because if you don't like it, you can suck my cock. <laughs> there we have it. Ash's review of Nirvana, never mind. I like it. What about a song for the week of a Climbing the Thorns song? We've kept this one a bit shorter tonight. We could probably squish in a bit of a fucking epic song from Forged in Flame called In Blood Be Sworn, and there is some acoustic guitaring on that, which may be worthwhile uh, referencing as per the acoustic tones we were chatting about. In Blood Be Sworn, speak to you guys next week. Cheers, y'all.
the whole flame subside When pure birds plant the seeds of new life The revelations of righteous above Will be reborn in inescapable past For the great day has come Let your fury not go down, 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 down. upon the soul.